All right, are you having a good time so far? noise in here this evening. And close the door because we're going to party in here all night tonight. Live from the Paragon 7 Studios, you are listening to the Lanch J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios. So we have we have the CEO of the Cooks Nook, Joy Chevalier, on the show, doing a series of, of uh, taped interviews, podcasts for. So so check us out if you if you if you don't hear this on WVOL in Nashville or Urban One through our syndicate or um, WDYZ down in Orlando. We gotta get we gotta get on an Austin joy. We gotta get we gotta find I know exactly. we gotta find an affiliate in in Austin so we can take this show on the road. I can bring Gcast out there and and do some things. But if you oh, if yeah, you haven't I mean, if you haven't heard us, if you're not listening live on on the radio, you can find us on Apple Podcast. You can find us on Spotify. Um, a lot of a lot of executives in healthcare listen to this on on LinkedIn. We're gonna be doing. I'm gonna be working with the Cooks and Look on a series of webinars. Where we can showcase joy and, and bring in some other really talented people from health plans across the country to to talk about social determinants of health and talk about food insufficiency and talk about uh, the solutions, not the problems. But I wanted to ask you. I think this is this is a real important question because uh, you're a woman of color. I'm a man of color. I've I've spent many years. I spent the last almost twenty years of my life started off before I got into the executive world was was an analyst. That's where I started off was doing was data analytics. Mm. And I've seen the the disparities of how chronic illness and food deserts and pharmacy deserts and COVID and um, all of these things have have they impact the the black and Latinx uh, communities mm-hmm. worse, unfortunately. And we can get into the racial construct of that. I think people politicize it. And people think that it's a red state, blue state thing. And that, to me, it has nothing to do with red state, blue state. One of the things I love about healthcare, I don't, I don't have to agree with your political political beliefs. I don't, I don't even care about your political beliefs. It's my job, black, white, Asian, LGBTQ, um, handicap, whoever I'm working with. It's my job to make sure when I was on the healthcare side of the table that my constituents have the best healthcare options possible. Sure, and they have absolutely. the best access to rather it's uh, um, drug therapy, rather it's surgery, rather right. it's customer service. To me, I, I could care less if it's someone that actually hates my my bleeping guts because mm-hmm. I'm different than them and I look different than them. I don't care. Um, it's my job to make sure that they have the best health care that they could possibly get access to. And that's that's why I went into that business. And that's one of the things that I love about that business. Um, talk about how. And, and it's really, especially with COVID, is has shown this, the haves and haves not. Talk right. about how communities of color are really uh, disproportionately impacted by by a lot of things that are going on in society. No, I mean, a- absolutely. You know, when we look at 
and we could talk about rural too as well because it's definitely there. definitely rural. absolutely Same thing. not right. yeah you not, go to you go to West Virginia people are living even worse than in the Bronx and mm-hmm. in and in uh, Compton you know you go to West Virginia some of the places not too yeah. far from Nashville and Kentucky uh, people are living don't even have basic services like running water and, and, no, and sewage no. and, 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 have, and have serious food in, you know right. food, food insufficiency and right. food insecurity challenges and even further access challenges right, oh, right? Um, and so you know to your your question you know one of the things that we saw here in our own county here in Travis County which Austin Travis County which is Austin, I guess now in the sense as though uh, many here believe it was undercounted for us. Uh, Austin is now the 11th largest city in the United States. And our our Metroplex puts us more like 10th, right? 10th or 9th. Don't steal our Titans here in Nashville, though, because we're not we're not having that. We're going we're going through a major we're going through a major stadium renovation here in Nashville. The the, the hot button topic is people don't want to use taxpayer money to build a stadium, which I understand that, especially during this inflation COVID sure. time, but you know, on my show, which airs out of Nashville, I take calls usually on Thursdays and people uh-huh. call in and I'll say, well, you do understand that the Titans came from Texas. So they, they have Texas, they have Texas roots, but Houston has Houston. a team now. I was like, I was Houston. like, I was like Austin, I've used, I said the people in Austin would cut off their left arms to get the 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 titans to come back and, and rename them the austin oilers it says so you you're in quite a you're in, you have quite a conundrum because if you don't pay for these stadiums the teams will move i've seen um i'm i i've had marcus whitney who's one of the owners mm-hmm. in uh the the he's one of the owners of the soccer team the mls mm-hmm. soccer team and i know that austin has a great we just uh, got MLS, a beautiful you just got one. built a, uh, a state of the art stadium. stadium. So Austin, Austin is on is is on the come up. You know, if it's, it's, yeah. yeah, So it's uh, they're they're kind of they're kind of encroaching on the San Antonio space as the as the next don't great tell, city. Don't in, don't tell in, San Antonio in, in, in Texas. You know, you have Dallas yeah. and Houston, but I, I know a little bit about Texas. Just 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 a little. Well, you you and but you're absolutely right. You know, even Austin, Travis County, as we grow, one of the wealthiest counties in the United mm. States, right? You know, there was a party last week opening the new Tesla Gigafactory, and it's oh, a wow. private party for fifteen thousand. It's a hundred acres, wow. you guys, on the east side here. You know, Austin um, has its affluence, but what we saw was those who had to work under COVID were our our bus drivers. That's right. Uh, those who were don't still have a choice. who don't have a choice, but to have to fill a role. And those folks typically are black and brown. Right. right? And so the numbers originally in Travis County had um, African-American population. I believe it was uh, 2x the white population to to mm. uh, to contract COVID. And in our Hispanic population, it was even higher. It was like 5x. Wow. Um, and so there was a concerted effort here by our uh, Austin Public Health, um, you know, in the face of the rules of our governor um, about mask mandates and, and other items was to try to convince populations, which we already, talk, already talked about trust, to, to, to be vaccinated, right? To come out, once we had a vaccine, to be vaccinated um, and to increase those numbers and those, and those rates. And we even know that those who, some of those who died in Austin, mm. um, uh, 
the Hispanic population in the city was hit very hard, very, very hard. Um, and so, you know, it's the same with food. When we look at, you know, numbers from whether it's Brookings or any other places, the disproportionate access continues within Black and Brown community. And it's not just a food yeah. access and service, but it's everything that you listed. So when you already have that and you toss something chronic or epidemic on top of it, yes, those numbers then spike. Same with children, right? We saw, we see that in Travis County, um, you know, food insecurity runs at about 18% now in Travis County for adults when it used to be more like 14 or 15%. Uh, children, it's up to 25%. Wow. Uh, are, are, are considered food insecurity. And that's even in an affluent county. That's an affluent, right. very affluent right. county. And so can you imagine what that looks like in rural areas um, or, you know, uh, in particular uh, pockets, what those numbers look like? Here's another number for you. Um, we know amongst college students, youths who were also very, I mean, many of the folks that were in some of the programs that we, we supported were actually young adults who were on their own. And we know that 50 to 60 percent of those who are college age uh, in colleges are food insecure. Mm. That number is out. I mean, that's outrageous. That's crazy. Right. And I remember, I remember be, being in school and occasionally, especially graduate school. And, you know, I was a young 20, 22 and not knowing if I was going to have food. By the time I paid my rent and did wow. X, Y and Z, there was there was twenty five dollars left for the month. Right. Um, and so we know that is a, a, a very disproportionate population. And actually, um, there is a big effort uh, around college food, just for example, here now, even at our local HBCU. So, you know, people don't sort of realize that when you start to break down populations, you see hunger. It is there. Mm. Uh, food insecurity is there. Um, anyway, I could, like I said, I could go on about that one, but yeah, no, please, uh, please do as you, you mentioned something and I, and I'd love for you to break this down because, uh, I'm, I'm not the expert that you are. People don't understand because you, we have a national platform on, on the Lance Day radio network and, the, and especially the healthcast series, which is, sure. uh, which really changed my, you know, if, I don't know if you knew this about me, Joy, I was an ESPN shock jock for, for many years. Like I was the weekend ESPN guy ah. uh, talking about, uh, covering sports on, you know, I was running a health plan and uh -huh. on weekends just to get away from risk adjustment and stars and, and all of that heavy duty healthcare uh -huh. stuff. My outlet was doing a Sunday night show on ESPN and then on NBC mm -hmm. sports radio. And mm -hmm. it was just, it was really uh, an opportunity to get away from all of that clinical stuff and, and just unwind. And during the pandemic, we converted into getting into more health. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really where I decided to, to, to matriculate on and, and kind of start mm -hmm. this movement for myself because it, right. it really, I felt that I had more fun talking to people like you um, on this side uh, as a as a radio host than I did talking to people like you when I was actually an executive at a health plan. But you know, I was you know, I would say the same thing if even if you were sitting at a inside a health, we would still talk about the same number. Well, right? absolutely. Absolutely. But it's it's very rare that you find people of, of your caliber that have done the things that you have done. I want you to break down because I try to explain this to people. You mentioned that in Austin, you have a lot of people that are food insufficient. And mm -hmm. people would say, well, hey, Austin's a nice suburb. You got UT there. You have mm -hmm. lots of money there. You have oil mm -hmm. money there. You have tech companies coming there. And people mm -hmm. don't understand that even in cities like Austin or big cities like New York City, 
where you have subway and transportation in big cities like Philadelphia, big cities um, across the country that you can still have food deserts. People think that food Absolutely. deserts are only in like the ghetto, like only in the poorest of the poor, the projects, the towers, mm-hmm. places like that. Explain how college students that are going to UT, which costs a lot of money to go to UT is one of the best schools in the country. Explain how college students encounter those type of issues and how people can encounter food deserts where they can't get access to produce or any of that good stuff. They're eating at delis, they're eating ramen noodles, stuff like that. Explain how people deal with that around this country. Sure. So, you know, it, let's start with the idea of food deserts, right? Even Austin, Travis County, here's some more numbers. We have uh, 13 zip codes that have absolutely no food source in them. Mm. I, I don't even care if it's fast food. That's that's in the metro Austin area. That's a lot of zip codes. Matter of fact, the zip code that Cook's Nook is in is one of those. And we are about two and a half miles from downtown. Mm. Right. We are in an area that due to and this is another big issue due to land codes, due to whatever structures, system, systemic structures you have. Our zip code is an underdeveloped under infrastructured area. There are mm. folks who are within a thousand yards of us who don't have uh, utilities or they don't have kitchens or, you know, you know, or space to hold things refrigerated, right? Um, Austin is that kind of dichotomy, right? And so when you don't have uh, some infrastructure, when you don't have access, when you don't have, um, you know, um, food stores, you know, sort of any sort of food access in, in your in your area. And then say that's at least in 13 zip codes. Right. That's a pretty good section of Austin. If you think about it. Yeah. I mean, and so, um, you know, the challenge is, you know, what does individuals, companies, the cities, organizations have to have to do about do about that? And so you end up with literal areas of your pockets of your cities let alone, again, your rural areas that literally don't have a way to get to it and they don't have the food there. That ends up being a food desert. On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.